The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of homegrown, on-demand audio to help you look to God daily. You can listen to Faith and Fostering with Christians chatting about foster care in an Australian context. Plus, be encouraged by Pastor Terry Nightingale's four-minute devotions with new episodes added each week in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. Most of my relationships have been quite long term. Um, majority of those relationships, I found myself with a quite a controlling partner. I think I was searching for a male authority figure to come into my life, and I thought in that controlling, you know, attitude that they had, that that would be someone who would take care of me and and fill that void that I had. But it definitely wasn't. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, over the last few days, Joseph Biro has been kind enough to share with us his story of overcoming drug addiction with the help of the Lord and to introduce us to members of his family. His wife, Nicole, shared her story, and last time, his mother, Lizzie, was the featured guest. Today, it's his sister, Annie's turn, and as we will hear, she has a story all of her own. Annie grew up always being attracted to strong men who would take control of things. That was until she found out they were taking control of her life. Annie's having a chat with Eric Scadabo and her brother Joseph in our Melbourne studios. Welcome back to the program, Joseph Byro. Hi, Eric. Glad to have you back with us. And we had the pleasure of chatting with your wife, Nicole, and also your mother, Lizzie. And I think it was just great to hear how the love of God, the passion for a relationship with the Lord just kind of touched one life, well, your life when you were in drug rehab, when you mm. called out to the Lord, and then that kind of spread to other people and so forth and so on. It's just a beautiful thing. It's amazing, man. I'm absolutely blown away. On the way here, um, I was praying and I was just, tears started flowing and I'm just absolutely grateful. No, so grateful. So it's amazing to be here. So it's just a, a wonderful chain because in your life, people had that passion and the love of God, and then they shared it with you, and then other people saw the change in your life, and so forth and so on, and it's just kind of spreading. Mm, Yeah, it's a miracle. And as we mentioned, we talked with your wife and your mother, and now you have another member of your family you want to introduce us to today. Yeah, listeners, this is my sister, Annie. Welcome to the program, Annie Byro. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you with us, and have you listened diligently to the past conversations with members of your family and your brother i definitely have yeah it was um it was very touching just to sort of you know hear everyone's versions and stories yeah it was it was amazing and now it's your turn today it is it sure is okay well let's get right back to your childhood growing up in your hungarian family what was that like um it was you know great at times and also hard at times i think Kind of like everyone else, really. Um, and I should have you say your Hungarian name for our listeners. Okay, so my Hungarian name is Anushka. I just love the sound of that, Anushka. Mm. So that's the official name, but you're known more commonly as Annie. That's correct. Okay, so getting back to life growing up, as we heard from your mother and Joseph before, that unfortunately your parents split up when you were very young. Yeah, that's correct, Eric. Um 
I was uh, quite young. I was one when my mother and father had divorced. So, so you didn't even know what it was like to have a mother and a father. No, definitely not. No, I didn't have that growing up. So I lacked, you know, that father figure and mum was, you know, taking up both the roles. And was your dad still in your life? Very intermittently. Um, yeah, he came and he, he went for his own reasons, I guess. And then it came to a point where I actually didn't really want him in my life. I had a resentment towards mm. him. Yeah. Okay. And then also your mother shared that faith was not a big part of her life and the family's life growing up, kind of Christmas and Easter. Was that kind of your experience? Yeah, that's correct. Um, we had our grandmother to look. Um, yeah, the exception was your grandmother. Yeah, she was. She was awesome. So she um, she was very, you know, much into God and she loved God. And it was, you know, her actions, you know, really just, just shined that how much she had faith and she loved our father. And that's all we really had to go by. Um, but in terms of being taught, you know, what what it is to be a good child of God, we didn't really have that teaching or structure. Mm-hmm. We just had grandma to look upon. Yep. Okay. And your brother here says that when you were in high school, you were kind of popular with uh, everybody. Is that right, Joseph? Is that? I think that is very right. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember her having a lot of friends? I do, yeah. Now, we should say you're six years older, mm-hmm. so you were kind of a little bit removed from her maybe you weren't in high school at the same time yeah that's right yeah i was very uh, very much present but very much absent doing my own thing at that time so any would you say it's fair that you didn't have an older brother really to hang out with that's correct yeah i didn't really have um that older brother figure i had him in a body form but he yeah wasn't there in the other forms which i needed him to be in now, we should say that when you were about 10 years old is when he was 16 and starting to be in bands and also getting into drugs? That's correct. Yeah, he was. He was um, experimenting and um, on his own little journey and path. And so, Joseph, even though you knew she was popular, you weren't kind of trying to be the protective older brother at that time, were you? Um, no, not really, because there was heaps of um, guys that would protect her. And I, I saw that there was guys protecting her all the time. So she was like a beautiful, you know, still is now, but she was like a beautiful young girl. All the guys loved her and respected her because she had a bit of a bit of dash, which means a bit of like, um, you know, I guess strength, you know, and she wouldn't take any guff from anyone. Um, so, yeah, I was like, oh, sh- she's cool. Everyone's cool. It's just me and my, yeah. Now, Annie, it sounds like you had kind of problem that everybody would like to have you're just too beautiful <laughs> i'm not sure i think that's taking it just a little bit too far i'm really smart too <laughs> oh also that's a good that's a nice problem to have as well <laughs> smart and beautiful but seriously though let's talk about people sometimes are nice to people who are beautiful not because they like you but oh it's just nice to have a, a beautiful person hanging on my arm and that type of thing most definitely you get taken for granted and it can really be hurtful to be overlooked as a person and to be looked at purely as just an add-on and an image and a handbag, so to speak. So just kind of a shallow thing. Hey, it's nice to have this pretty girlfriend or pretty friend, yep. but they don't really know you. Yep. yep. And they don't really care, to be honest. And did that hurt in relationships? Definitely. Definitely hurt me. Um, and it took me a while to realize what was actually going on. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So at first you think, oh, they must really like me. But how did you know, hey, they don't really know me? I think as I grew older, you know, you just get a bit more wiser and more mature Uh and you pick up on these little things and yeah, you can just see that they're not really interested in who you are as a person by their actions. Mm -hmm. Now, as you're getting older, you're having relationships, having boyfriends. Do you think you were motivated in a positive way to have good, healthy relationships or how were your relationships going at that time? Um, Most of my relationships have been quite long-term. Majority of those relationships were, I found myself with a quite a controlling partner. Were you attracted to that kind of person? I think I was searching for something else and I was searching for a male authority figure to come into my life. To kind of meet that void that wasn't there because of your father being absent? Most definitely. And it took me a while to realize that was actually going on. Uh, What I actually thought was going on was that I was searching for someone, you know, to take care of me. And I thought in that controlling, you know, uh, attitude that they had, that that would be someone who would take care of me and, and fill that void that I had. But it definitely wasn't. So repeatedly, you're liking these guys, they seem macho and strong, Mm -hmm. but also very possessive. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? Controlling? Yep. What do I wear? Not allowed to wear things that are... Really? They they would tell you that? Most definitely. Yep. So ironically, the very thing that attracted you to them in the first place was the very thing that made it a unhealthy relationship and led to its downfall. Precisely. And did that happen? repeatedly yeah it did um it did happen repeatedly until you know it came to a point where i had you know a really big wake-up call and i realized that what i was doing was the wrong thing what i was searching for was the wrong people and yeah i was very lost and i fell over a bit okay and also going on in your life in addition to being very popular you decided to be very straight-laced. Is that right? Yes. Yes, definitely. I, you know, really wanted to be the best child that I could be uh, for my mother, mm-hmm. considering all all the hardship she had to go through. As a single parent? As a single parent and as someone, you know, a mother of a drug addict. I did not want to be a disappointment to my mother. And I was also very scared watching my brother grow up and um, go off track So I was very scared to sort of veer into that path. So at this point in your life, in your high school years, you're seeing Joey spiraling out of control with his drug addiction. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I don't want that to happen to me is kind of what your attitude was. Exactly. Yes, definitely. It was very scary. It was very scary to see. So one would think, oh, you're not going to have any problems. You've decided to be a good person. But as we said earlier... You did have some challenges in that you were attracted to unhealthy characteristics in members of the opposite sex. Yes, uh, I was. And it definitely did take its toll on me. And I did learn quite a large lesson. Um, I dated someone who was also probably the most controlling person I had ever been with. And a long story short is that I ended up um, trying to take my own life. Uh, Once I found out that he was unfaithful to me i felt like there was no purpose for me to live anymore no one else mattered my family did not matter and my existence felt 
very insignificant. So I decided to go to my mum's medicine cabinet and take out her pills. And I remember having so many. Uh, there were at least over 40 pills. So I remember doing that. And as soon as I had done that, I sent a message to my family saying, I love you and I'm sorry. And I am. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for being selfish. And I'm sorry for putting, you know, all of my time and my love and my energy and my existence into someone who I'd only known for three years. And my whole family would have had to have suffered, you know. What happened? Um, so I remember sending that message and um, I laid down on the couch and all I remember is just closing my eyes mm. and that's it. And it was just empty and I felt empty. And Joseph, do you remember getting a message from her? <sighs> yeah. No, this is really tough to talk about, um, but it's truth and... Uh, I was in Hastings and um, I was using a lot of drugs and I was high on mushrooms. I'll, ne I'll never forget it and got the message and I was too wasted <laughs> to go home and deal with it. So I brushed it off, you know, and that's something I'm sorry for right now, you know. And then I found out, once I found out it was okay, I could, I, she was okay, I could relax. But I wasn't the kind of brother that would drop everything and, and run to my sister, which is the definitely the brother I am now. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Annie Biro, the sister of former rock star turned Bible teacher, Joseph Biro. Annie's sharing her story and unfortunately, as we're hearing, her desire for a father figure in her life had led her into a series of destructive relationships. We'll find out how it all turns around when we return. The story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1 800 Pray For Me. That's 1 800 772 936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Annie Biro, the sister of former rock star Joseph Biro, whose family we've been getting to know over the past few programs. Before the break, we heard how Annie had attempted to take her own life after a failed relationship. Now we're going to find out what happens next in her life journey. So looking back on your experience, Annie, it sounds like your value, or you got a lot of your value as a person based on your relationship. And when that didn't go the way you wanted it, yeah. then you kind of thought you didn't have any value. Is that yeah, a fair summary? Or? Definitely. And I think, um, you know, without a doubt, I wouldn't have made it if my brother Leslie didn't find me. <laughs> that you know, till this day, I bet haunts him, and I and I'm so sorry for that. But you know, you can't now. You know, I feel you can't put 
all of your worth and all of your love into humans, you know, and only now do I know that. You know, you have to hit rock bottom first, I feel, mm. before you can jump up and just open your eyes and open your heart to God. And I'm just so grateful I am where I am now and I'm and I'm grateful for my story and I hope that people that are listening can feel or, you know, understand that the importance of life is, you know, to have faith. And so that was your lowest point. Yes. Take us from that point onward to mm. kind of where you are now. What was the next step in your journey? Well, uh, it took a while for me to recover from that. I was quite embarrassed. I was quite ashamed that it I wasn't ex- successful. Um, I locked myself in my room for a month or two. Then after that, with the help of family, my mum and my brother and my friends, you know, I found my feet again. And I was out just working, just your standard, you know, working full time and just trying to find my life. And yeah, and then I became a mother. Yeah. So five years ago, I became a mother to a gorgeous little girl. So you obviously you were in another relationship at that point? Yes, yes, I was. I was engaged and I fell pregnant, which I was told that was quite impossible due to, you know, polycystic ovaries. And then I was blessed with a miracle. Yeah. So if I can ask Annie, um, when I went to Rima, you know, this is me and you, no faith, right? Mm. Rima being the drug rehab Rima center. being the drug rehab center. Um, when I left, you, you you wrote me a note. Do you remember what you wrote in that note? <laughs> uh, yeah, I do remember. I remember. I remember thinking. So this is several years after mm. you attempted suicide. Yes. Yes. This is around five or six years after. Mm. So I remember writing a note because I thought, come on, something's got to give. Surely you can't do this for the rest of your life. You're wasting away. So I wrote him a letter, and to me it was just, you know, me trying to reach out. I actually thought that letter would be nothing to him. What did it mean to you, Joseph? Oh, um, it meant everything. I put it up on my wall in the in the room, right next to the light switch. So whenever I turned it on, I would see it, you know, and um, and it would say. You've got so many beautiful gifts. You're such an amazing person. So much potential. And drugs have nearly destroyed you. But I want you to look at this letter every time you hit a wall and fight. And I did with that letter a lot. And I did fight, you know. <laughs> so a letter was pivotal, you know. That letter of love and, and that boost of there's hope, don't give up, was like massive for me. Yeah. He needed everything he could get. You know, but we we kept on giving and giving and giving, and that's one thing you can't stop is just loving and giving and being there for you know your family and even you know we're all family, right? You mm. know. And so, you had never been too close with your oldest brother, or how? What was the nature of your relationship with your yeah. oldest brother, Joseph? Jo- Joseph and I were always close um, when we were together. We were always close. I remember seeing him coming home from, um, I believe it would be a dance party or a, you know, rave or whatever you want to call it. And sitting, him sitting down and I'm saying, what did you take? He said, nothing. And I saw right through it. But, you know, we still had to love. he could fool others, but he couldn't fool you. Oh, he couldn't fool me. No yeah. way. He still can't. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. You can't fool yourself. Come on. <laughs> no, I see right through him. Um, so, yeah. 
we've always been close. We've always had a very close relationship. Um, yeah, Joseph and I will always be close. Mm. Okay, so you were there for him yes. at his lowest point, but then also you were seeing what was happening in his life. What impact did his going through rehab and putting his faith in Jesus, what did that all have on your life? Oh my gosh, it was, it was a walking Bible for me, like he was a walking Bible for me. And, you know, actions, I'm quite a visual person and actions speak a lot louder for me than words. And when I saw his transformation and his leadership skills shift focus and, you know, he became someone at Rima who people looked up to and came to for help, that was just a massive turnaround for me to see that made me feel like there was something out there for me that was better i had to grasp that and i had to just hold it and run with it and it took a little bit but i'm here and i'm yeah i'm really really grateful that he's here because mm-hmm. without god we none of he wouldn't be here that's for sure joseph wouldn't be here no i don't think he would be here if, if it wasn't for his faith and, and our Father and God, and no, definitely not. And going back to the long-term kind of challenge in your life of always trying to fill that void, that father kind of void in your life, and unfortunately filling it with unhealthy relationships mm. and feeling that your worth came to you through your relationships with men, mm. what impact did putting your faith in Jesus have on that it, part of your life? It was extravagant. Um, I now know that we are we are here for a reason, and I'm just in awe of God, and I'm in awe of His works. You know, people drive down the street and they don't realize this is this is His creation. You know, and we are His creations, and we have to live for Him. And no one can fill a void that God can fill. In my life, no, no male. There's no other idols for me. You know, I don't. I'm so glad. You know that this is where I'm at now, and that my heart has been open to Jesus. And can you tell us about that time that you visited the Remit Church and Drug Rehab Center, and the influence that had on you? Yes, I used to go. I used to try and go once every month at the beginning, and then you know, to go to the Sunday to the church that they had there. And and then after that, I sort of tried to come every fortnight. And then I found myself going, I want to be there every week. You know, I was getting filled with his love and his word and watching my brother go from sitting in that church to being a part of the worship team, then to preaching. Wow. Then to being the deacon. And then taking all the the boys there under his wing, and that is just mind <laughs> blowing. Who would not want? Who would not want to love and believe in Jesus when you could, you could be missing out on so much, you know? And that's all his work. That is mm. all his work. So you saw that amazing transformation. Yeah, huge transformation. I wanted it. Yeah. My goodness. And also, on a personal level, you had your brother back. I had my brother back. I had my brother. I never had him back because I never had him. In what sense? Because 
from the age that Joseph started taking drugs, he was never constantly straight. He was coming in bits and pieces. I never had him as a whole. He was he was not sober long enough for me to actually get to know who he was. I was I was young, and now I know my brother. Yeah, now I know my brother through Christ. Joseph, how is it to have your sister? <laughs> it's amazing. Um, the fire that you have, Annie, and the passion that you have is, you know, we share that because we both share a relationship with the living God. And, and um, just to see how God is raising you up and preparing you, you know, and the way he's He's um, trained you to be a mother and how Layla is Her like, daughter. A lot, yeah, like my niece is like a worshiper and she prays with us. Um it's like seriously miracle after miracle. And we're at the point now where we're just talking that faith language that says, get the rest of the family of God. Go get them, God. Just, <laughs> you are Amen. relentless. You will not stop. And we just believe and we thank God for what he's already done when he hasn't even done it yet. But we see, we can see through faith now. And that's, to share that is just so awesome. Yeah. And Annie, tell us about your life now. Um, where do I start? So I have a wonderful partner. Uh, his name is David. And a good, healthy amazing, relationship. Amazing. Not controlling. Not at the slightest. Um, total flip. But this is just because I have filled my cup up with God. He is, you know, he is my king. Mm. And he knew. He, he said, it's almost like he said to me, come to me and then I will give you what I've promised. Mm-hmm. And now that I've come to him, I have a healthy relationship. I have, you know, an amazing family. He's a strong Christian. He's a strong Christian. Yes. Praise God. And he is, he's a leader though in our relationship, but in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. He leads me closer to God, you know, and that's what you want in a relationship. And he compliments my life and he helps me and we get closer to God together. And that is more than... I could ever ask for in a man. All this time, I was wasting my time. Can you imagine? If I came closer to God earlier, but he's, you know, it's all in his plan, right? Sounds like you're a new Annie. I am a new Annie. Or should I say... Anushka. Anushka. (laughs) (laughs) You just wanted to say that, didn't you? (laughs) Exactly, you got me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Eric. I just love saying your name. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, that was the conclusion of our conversations with former rock star turned Bible teacher Joseph Biro and members of his family. Today, of course, we heard from Joseph's sister, Annie, who shared her remarkable story of going from an attempted suicide to becoming a child of God with a hope and a future. It's been great to hear how the love of God has spread through members of the Biro family and has healed relationships that are now stronger than ever before. Well, how about you? Are there broken relationships in your life? Or can you identify with any of the challenges that the Biro family members have gone through? If you'd like someone to pray about this, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And we'd love to pray for you at that number, 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for Annie Biro's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Like I'd never been bullied as a kid. Uh, high school, never been bullied. 
had you know, really pleasant experiences working with people in churches. It was only when I went overseas that I experienced bullying. And, and so I've actually had this real passion now to support vulnerable people and people who are in a bullying situation. So as a school chaplain, when I became a chaplain, I was like uh, any kid that was being bullied, I'd just really take that on board and help them as much as I could. Peter Kavanagh has a passion for helping people improve relationships and has worked towards this goal as a teacher, school chaplain and a pastor. Despite disappointments and conflicts in his life, he's gone on to develop innovative tools to share the gospel and to help prevent bullying in schools. We'll find out Peter's unique story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.